Morning, everyone. Welcome to our service of worship this morning as we gather to hear the Word of God and listen to what He has to say as we finish off the series on the Lord's Prayer. Special word of welcome if you are visiting with us this morning, whether this is the first time you're watching the live stream here in Bundaberg or somewhere around the world. Welcome to you. It would be great if you could type in the comment section where you're watching from. Even if you're not watching this live, if you're watching this on our YouTube channel later on or listening on our podcasts, we would love to interact with you. We would love to hear from you. So pop a comment into the, uh, into the video feed. Let us know where you're watching from. Engage with us. If you have a question, do so. Uh, put it in the comments, and we will get to those in the week. A beautiful psalm is Psalm 67, and as I read this psalm, maybe you'd like to pop into the comments what your favorite psalm is. May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make His face shine on us, so that your ways may be known on earth, that your salvation may be known among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all people praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the people with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the people praise you, God. May all the people praise you. The land yield its har- yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still, so that the ends of the earth will know him. The peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. If you're watching with somebody, and I hope that you are, Take a moment to pass the peace to them, uh, bless them with that greeting that they may know the beauty of God's Holy Spirit resting in their lives. Let us pray. Lord God, we read that psalm and it is it echoes our own prayer and our heart's desires that not only would we be blessed by you as we worship this morning, but that we may be blessed by you so that your name is known across all of the earth. Our prayer, Lord God, is that you would be glorified in this place wherever we are, that we would look to you for guidance and wisdom, that we would know the beauty of the Spirit of God that leads and directs, that we would feel your strength in our lives when we face temptations. That we would know the wonder of a God who cares and journeys with us. We thank you, Lord God, that as we pass the peace to one another or as we hear it just spoken to us from the church, we praise you that that's not just a nice-sounding greeting, but that truly it is Uh, It is a reality for each of us that the peace of God, the beauty, the wonder of God can rest upon our lives, can be with us in the the day-to-day struggles that we face, that in the midst of the turmoil and difficulties, we still can be at peace, for our lives rest in your hands, and we seek to be faithful to you. We thank you that you are always faithful to us even when we are not. We thank you, Lord God, that you never leave us nor forsake us, that you never bear grudges or or dredge up past sins that are forgiven. 
but with you are new mercies and new blessings. And for this, Lord, we love and worship you. We pray for forgiveness for those things, Lord God, which have caused there to be distance between ourselves and you. Moments where we have turned away from you, walked away from you, given into temptation. Forgive us, we pray. And as we journey this morning through the line of the Lord's Prayer about saving us from the time of trial and leading us not into temptation, may we find in your word today strength and, and, and tools to use that we may be faithful to you and able to resist snares and traps and temptations that come our way. We pray that you'd be glorified not only in this uh, next hour this morning, Lord God, but you'd be glorified in our lives. We pray, Lord, for, for each person who watches or listens to uh, this live stream or the YouTube video or the podcasts, that, Lord God, each will know you are speaking to them and directing their lives, guiding each of us as we seek to honor you with every fiber of our being. As the psalmist says, may you be praised, may your blessings be known, so that all of the ends of the earth will come to know you. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. <clears throat> Friends, just a couple of notices this morning. This Tuesday night, there is no connecting conversations happening. So just a reminder, no connecting conversations on Tuesday night. And then secondly, in our newsletter this week, a, a notice went out about a luncheon that we are planning, a church lunch that we've planned to hold outside. And unfortunately, yesterday there was an outbreak in Brisbane and new restrictions have come into place. The luncheon is far away enough that we, we hope that the outbreak um, isn't serious and it doesn't uh, take on um, massive numbers of people. We hope that for, for the health and sake of, of Queenslanders uh, and Australians. But um, hopefully, if, if it is controlled, we'd still be able to have that luncheon. So keep it penciled in in your diary for now. And we will update you as we go along. We continue to uh, journey through our series looking at the Lord's Prayer. And today we're looking at the line, save us from the time of trial, or more traditionally, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The readings that I'm going to use are Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11, which is the story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, and then moving on to Matthew chapter 6, 5 to 13, which has been our theme reading for the whole series, where the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray, and he teaches them the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 4, verses 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift up their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. And then Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 13. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on street corners to be seen by others. I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we have also forgiven those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Part of our worship service is to bring our offerings to God. This, in the Old Testament, was the central part of the service. It was such a privilege to be able to bless God with gifts and offerings that they could give to Him. Throughout the week, people have either dropped off offerings in the church office or, brought, uh, or done electronic offerings into the church bank account. If you'd like to do that, all the details are on our website and on our Facebook page, and uh, it would be sincerely appreciated as we contribute to God's work through the work of this church. We bring those offerings to God now as we give thanks for all that He means to us. As part of our dedicating the offering, we also bring to Him our prayers for others. Shall we pray? Lord God, we thank You for the privilege of being able to bring gifts and offerings to You. We do so with glad and joyful hearts. For we acknowledge what you have done for us. We know how much you mean to us. We are aware, Lord God, of how, how we can call upon you at any moment. And we rejoice, Lord, at the extravagant gift that you have given us of life in Christ. It cost you everything. And we are eternally grateful. So we ask, Lord God, that you would receive the gifts that we bring those brought to the office, those put directly into the church account. 
We offer them with the greater gift of ourselves in love and appreciation for all that you are and what you mean to us. Use them to build your kingdom in this place, we pray. We also pray, Lord, for those who are in need of your touch and your love. There are many people, Lord, who do not know you, many who are struggling through life, battling to find meaning and purpose. There are those, Lord, who, who struggle with being able to, to find a sense of a reason for carrying on living. We bring them before you. We pray for those who have uh, lost their jobs, their work, their livelihood, their income during this COVID time. For those who face financial stress and work pressures, we pray for those who have lost loved ones. We pray, Lord, for those who are currently ill, not only with COVID, but with, with any illness, particularly those who struggle through cancer and are, are facing prolonged treatment for that. We pray for those who we care deeply about, who we know are in need of prayers. We pray also for ourselves, those things known to you and to us. All of these things we bring to you because we know that you love us and you care about us. And we thank you that you're a God who doesn't demand we make sacrifices and go through an intermediary, but we, we just come and sitting right there in our lounge room are able to bring you these requests. And now, Lord, we ask that you would open our hearts and our ears and our souls to hear your word, that it may be your voice that speaks your words that we hear, that you may be glorified in these moments. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, amen. Today we finish off the series on the Lord's Prayer with the words, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The version we often pray is, save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. And I'll get to the difference between those two versions in a moment. But straight off the bat, you might be thinking to yourself, hold on a second, did he just say finishing off the series? Surely there is a whole extra bit on the end of the Lord's Prayer that we usually say. And you're right, there is. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. It is true, we do finish the prayer Jesus taught us with those words, or the words in the uh, older version, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever, amen. But if you've noticed over the weeks that we've had this series, those words are not actually included in the scriptures, either Matthew's version or Luke's version of Jesus teaching his disciples to pray. So where did they come from? And why do we say them? Well, without going into the very boring technical detail about which versions of scrolls and writings eventually ended up making it into the Scriptures and why, the simplified answer is this, that there are early writings that do include those words, but not the earliest and most accurate versions of Scripture that we have. However, 
there is nothing in those words that contradicts what we've looked at so far. And for many, this is almost a natural benediction that over time uh, just becomes part of this prayer. In fact, without, we don't even have to go in, into great detail, but you'll notice without any study at all that if you, if you look at those words, they actually echo the earlier parts of the prayer that pray for the kingdom of God to come in this place here and now. We've already looked at this kind of sentiment that we pray. So let's get back to today's line. Lead us not into temptation. I heard a story of a woman who went to the shopping center for her weekly grocery shop, but instead she got distracted and bought an exceptionally extravagant evening dress. It's kind of like when your wife asks you to go to Aldi to buy bread and milk and you come home with a $350 hydraulic log splitter that you absolutely would class as an essential necessity that you never knew you irrefutably needed. True story. Anyway, this lady, her husband was absolutely livid that she had gone out and spent so much on this extravagant dress. And he asked her, he said, why, why did you have to buy such an expensive one? And she replied, well, the devil made me buy it. And the husband got more angry and he said, well, why didn't you say, get behind me, Satan? And the woman said, I did. But he said to me, it looks even better from this angle. <laughs> and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We sometimes pray, save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, except to say that the two phrases are obviously interchangeable, and both can be found on Scripture depending on which translation you use. I did a quick informal poll uh, of a few people and found that it was a 50-50 split as to who preferred which version uh, of the Lord's Prayer. Dallas Willard says this. He says, that trials always tempt us to sin, and temptation to sin is always a trial. He also says that when we say, save us from the time of trial, it is an acknowledgement that we're not very good under pressure. The prayer begins with the glorification of God and ends with the acknowledgement of the feebleness of human beings, says Dallas. That we don't stand up well under trials and pressures is fairly obvious. He says you only uh, have to think of what happens when, uh, when, when difficulties face human beings, how quickly they can begin to attack God when bad things happen. And in that sense, trials are very dangerous to our faith. And we are acknowledging in this part of the prayer that we cannot handle them on our own, that we will not get through them without God's help. But today, I want to focus more on the version of the prayer that says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The issue of temptation is one that every person struggles with in varying forms and degrees on a daily basis. If we did not struggle with it, we would not be human, we would not be alive. Nor would Jesus have instructed us to pray this part of the prayer. 
There are moments for me, for you, for everyone, where we can cringe when we think of how easy it would have been to do the right thing, but instead we have gone and done the wrong thing. In preparing for the sermon, I read two stories of people, uh, both mature people, who succumbed to temptations that they had managed to avoid their whole lives and, and, and managed to turn down those things uh, in their early years. One was a man who, at the age of 56, reasoned that he could indulge and control a little recreational drug use. <clears throat> it took a little while, but eventually he found himself trapped in a world in which he acknowledges he is, uh, it's ultimately killing him and has destroyed his relationships, destroyed his life, but in which, in his words, he is unwilling and therefore unable to resist the temptation that consumes him. The other story <coughs> is of a woman who had a luncheon with friends, was tempted to tell just a tiny little white lie about being related to somebody who she looked like. A simple lie that took on a life of its own. And over the next 20 years, it ended up costing her jobs, <coughs> relationships, and credibility. And it brought pain and disgrace to her and to her family and to several other people. She says, it was unbelievable the traction this seemingly insignificant little white lie gained in my life. It took on a life of its own. And before I knew it, it had sucked all the life out of me. These stories are just two of many, many stories where people, along with you and I, would have benefited from praying and meaning this last line of the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Right from the beginning of the series, we have spoken of the fact that if we truly pray this prayer with heartfelt sincerity, then it will change our lives. Our faith will be deepened. There will be a more meaningful, more intimate relationship with God. This line is no different. It's not an exception. It is part of that same thought. In fact, it's very practical because, as I said, we all have to deal with temptation. We all have to deal with the enticement to sin every day. And so Jesus finishes this prayer with this practical plea for God to help us avoid temptation and deliver us from the schemes of the evil one. Because we cannot do it alone. As Dallas says, we are not good at handling the pressure. We are not good at handling this type of trial. We need God's strength. We need God's help. We need to be delivered from evil. Now, temptation is nothing new. It's been around since the beginning of time. We know the story of Adam and Eve. Eve ate the apple after being tempted by the servant. And then poor, helpless Adam is tempted by a naked woman with food. I mean, what chance did he stand, really? It reminds me of a friend who went shopping with his wife at the mall. And he was standing patiently while the, his wife was looking at items on the shelf and comparing them. And just at the, that moment, a very attractive woman in a very short dress kind of glided past them in the aisle. And the man's eyes from looking at his wife working and uh, comparing things in the uh, shelf in front of him, he, his eyes went and followed this lady who had glided past. 
He looked her up and down. He then looked her up and down a second time before bringing his eyes back to the shelf where his wife was. For her part, she was still examining the, art the articles, didn't even take her eyes off what she was doing and simply said to him, so, was it worth the trouble you're in? Getting back to Adam in the garden, ultimately he succumbed to temptation and then sinned. The temptation wasn't to eat an apple. It wasn't to eat a piece of fruit. Essentially, the temptation was to have what God had forbidden, to know what God had not revealed, to be what God had not intended them to be. That was the temptation that they gave into. Essentially, the temptation is to selfishness. And the driving factor behind almost all sin, the temptations we face on a daily uh, on a daily basis, is the selfish desire to put our own interests above the interests of God and above the interests of other people. That's temptation. To put our own self-interests above God's interests and above the well-being or interests of other people. But fortunately, by the grace of God, we do not have to be defeated by temptation or the power of the one who tempts. When we pray this prayer, we can experience God's answer to this part of the prayer in very powerful ways. The first of which is to understand that temptation itself is not a sin. As I said earlier, temptation is the common experience of every single person. It may change shape and form over the years, but it never goes away. Many Christians feel needless guilt because they equate temptation with sin. Even Jesus was tempted, but he was without sin. Was the temptation real? Absolutely. We read the whole passage of Scripture about exactly how Jesus was tempted. Did he sin? No. There can be many times, and it can be quite subtle, that we agonize over the fact that we are tempted. It is not a sin to be tempted, but it is response to that temptation that matters. John Ortberg when addressing the topic of sexuality, called this moment the second look. He said, you cannot help but notice a beautiful person. When you notice them, you're obviously looking at them. How can you not? But, says Ortberg, it's the second look that becomes the problem. And certainly sexuality isn't the only aspect of life that this applies to. It is in all the temptations that we face. Power, prestige, money, lying, anger, unforgiveness, materialism, self-centeredness, pride, laziness, lust, envy, gluttony. It's not the temptation that's the problem. It's the second moment and what we do with it. You see, because while it's true that temptation isn't a sin, Temptation is always a lie. It's the ultimate source. If the ultimate source of temptation is the father of lies, then most certainly everything temptation promises isn't everything that temptation delivers. 
Temptation is always a lie. For the man that I mentioned earlier, temptation promised him satisfaction. It promised him a high. It promised him a, a feel-good moment. It promised him fulfillment and euphoria and, a, and an absence of troubles and, and fun. And Instead, what was delivered with his drug use was a lifetime of addiction and loneliness and an unquenchable desire, regret, shame, destroyed relationships. For Adam and Eve, they were promised knowledge like God's. God really doesn't want you to be like him, Satan was saying. Promised knowledge like God's. Instead, they received banishment and hardship. I have a friend who went to uh, a car auction once. And uh, the rules of this auction were that you could examine the car, you could have a look, you could walk around it, but you could not touch it. You were uh, fenced off from the car, you couldn't start the car, you couldn't test drive the car, you couldn't get inside the car. It was a kind of an outside examination, that was all. And my friend saw this beautiful vehicle standing on the lot and he, he couldn't believe the listing price. He got to the bidding, and apparently a few others couldn't believe the listing price either. And so the bidding went on and on and on, and they kept raising their hands. But in the end, my friend won the bid and still thought that it was a pretty good bargain. And then he saw that the auction staff were pushing it off the lot. And he thought that was a bit strange, maybe a flat battery or something, but uh, didn't think too much of it. Until he got to the vehicle, picked up the keys, got inside and discovered that he had paid a very high price for a lovely car that didn't have an engine. Temptation promises one thing, but delivers something very different. Some years ago, there was a film called Bedazzled. It starred Brendan Fraser as the hero and Elizabeth Hurley as the devil. Just for the record, I'm not recommending it, I'm just telling you about it. It was good, though, from the perspective that the devil was portrayed in probably the most accurate way, appealing and enticing. And uh, Liz Hurley as the devil, she tempts Fraser with the promise of seven wishes in exchange for his soul. And as part of the temptation, while she's trying to attract him, she lures him to her nightclub. And at the club, there are beautiful dancers, both men and, and women. And there's paparazzi, and there's glitz, and there's glamour, and there's fame, and, and there's all of this, this kind of wonderful uh, scene that, that Fraser desires. And models flirt with him, and people admire him. And, and as the movie progresses, the devil's true nature begins to get revealed. And eventually, Fraser heads back to that same club, but this time he goes in the daylight. And what he discovers is that those beautiful dancers and admiring fans are passed out in drunken stupors on the floor, littered with rubbish all around them. They are ragged and worn out. They are tired and shallow and defeated and sad and, and pathetic losers. They're dirty and they're smelly. And they've deluded themselves into thinking they are something that they are not. And in the cold light of day, all of this, all of the glitz and glamour of what he had seen in the club 
are revealed as what they truly are. The club is run down. And the previously gorgeous Elizabeth Hurley is now a ravenous beast intent on consuming his soul in any manner possible. Temptations come in all manner of attractive ways for you and for me. More money, more power, more prestige, more fulfillment, more gratification, more sex, more whatever. But in the end, it's always a lie. It's always a lie. Fortunately, though, Jesus teaches us to pray this prayer. And we learn that God does not leave us defenseless against temptation and lies. Knowing our weaknesses, we are invited, we are inviting God to save us from the time of trial, to lead us not into temptation. And this is good news that we do not face this moment alone. That the hook of the seemingly irresistible lure of temptation is not one that we have to bite. In 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, Paul writes, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you will not give in to it. God is faithful in giving us tools that enable us to have victory over temptation. What are they? Well, firstly, there is Scripture. And we see this so beautifully demonstrated in the temptations of Jesus. In those temptations, three times Christ is tempted, and three times his response is simply to speak the words of Scripture, the words of, of truth, straight back to the tempter. And the result? Each time, Satan flees. Unable to do anything further. Nothing he could do or say can stand against the Word of God. Why is that? Well, to know the Word of God is to be able to proclaim truth to the lie that temptation is. If at the heart of it, temptation is a lie, the defense is the truth of God's Word. It's as simple as that. The lie of temptation, the attempt to camouflage the truth, cannot stand when we know what the truth is. If I had to say to you, there is no sun, you will simply say, yes, there is. I felt it this morning, and what is more, come outside and have a look. There it is. The Word of God is just the same. To know it is to expose plainly the lie that is presented in temptations. The Word is truth. No lie can stand against it. God has also given to us common sense. Sometimes we give into temptation out of pure misuse of the common sense that God gave us. We each know where our own particular struggles lie and so should arrange the circumstances of our lives to avoid such situations. Much in the same way that recovering alcoholics know that it's unwise for them to frequent a bar. We should apply the same kind of common sense to our lives. I love the story of little Johnny who is told by his mother that he is to come straight home after school and not stop 
at the baseball field and play baseball with his friends. But after school, Johnny decided to carry his baseball bat and his baseball glove with him just in case he was tempted. <coughs> that can be true of all of us. Sometimes we almost plan to give in. Instead of planning not to give in using the common sense that God has given us. A decision made ahead of time is much easier to stick to than having to make one in the moment. A couple of boys tried to walk through a, a farmer's field, and when they were walking in the field, a, the farmer's bull happened to see them and began to charge. And one of the boys said, let's stop and pray. And the other boy said, no, let's run and pray. They didn't need to resist the bull inside of the pen. They needed to get out of the pen where they were vulnerable. That's what we need to do when we are being tempted, to flee from the temptation. And lastly, God has given to us the gift of other Christians. Thank God that we don't live out our Christianity in a vacuum or in isolation. But we are placed in His family where we can draw strength and wisdom from one another. I often hear it said to me, people say, well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. No, you don't. But it makes it so much easier to be faithful when you're journeying together with people who are also trying to be faithful. And that is the gift of the body of Christ. That is the, the beauty of being able to draw strength and wisdom and counsel from those who we are on this journey with together, from those who have, have often gone the road before us. That is the strength of the church. That is the beauty of fellowship. That is the gift that is other Christians. One of the greatest strengths of the um, anonymous group meetings, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, one of the strengths is those group meetings. That you have people who have been through this road, who are on this road, and will continue to journey it with you. And you know, the amazing thing about the anonymous uh, movement is that they will meet no matter what. It doesn't matter the day, the time, the weather, or whatever. Their meetings will happen because they know how important they are to each other in the fight against the addiction that they have. The same is true of our church family. There is reason that we pray this prayer together. There is reason that it is sometimes called the family prayer. There is reason why we say our Father. Because we are brothers and sisters on this journey together. Who through the power of God's Holy Spirit have been blessed and equipped to overcome the temptation that comes our way. We've had to be creative in how we, in how we interact with others. And I hope that there have been small groups or, or moments where you've been able to journey with people in, through this COVID time. The interaction, the connection of still being family, hugely important as we, as we pray that God saves us from the time of trial or leads us not into temptation. Our brothers and sisters in Christ are an important method, an important way that God uses to answer that prayer.
as we end of the series. May you indeed know that praying this prayer will lead to a closer, more faithful walk with God. I pray that that is for each of us the deepest desire of our hearts. That the words of the Lord's Prayer will never be something that we just say or recite, but always will be something that we truly hope, truly believe, truly want more than anything in our lives as we faithfully live in Him. And so I invite you uh, to pray the Lord's Prayer in a new way. If you go back to one of the connecting conversations where I, I chatted with Shane, we spoke a little bit about this, where, where I invite you to take in each phrase slowly, meditatively, entering into it, in, into the depths of its meaning, elaborating on it with the unique circumstances in your life, with the details that are, are unique to you, that the Lord's Prayer can almost become a basis or a, or a pattern that you use in entering into this intimate moment with God. When you pray the prayer in this way, thoughtfully going through each word, the richness of the phrases, the wisdom of what Jesus has taught us will transform your life and will reestablish the beauty and the intimacy of your relationship with God. To sum up, I want to read to you a version of the Lord's Prayer as Dallas Willard translates it. He says, it is like praying this, Our Father filling the heavens, always near us and within us. May your name be treasured in love. May your rule be completed in us. May your will be done here on earth in just the way it is done in heaven. Give us today the things we need just for today. And forgive us our sins and impositions on you as we are forgiving all who may be in any way offend us. Strengthen us and be with us in moments of trials and temptation. Deliver us from everything bad because you are the one in charge and you have all the power and the glory too is all yours forever, which is just the way we want it. Amen. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord, for the teachings of Jesus, for the beauty of what this prayer means, for the intimate relationship it reveals between Jesus and the Father, and for the invitation it is for us to enter into that intimate relationship for the pattern it gives us for praying, for the, the, the way it leads us and, and reveals so much about ourselves and about you and about the nature of our relationship. We thank you, Lord, that you promise to guide us through the midst of temptation, through the times of trials and difficulties, through moments when the lies of temptations are, are shouting loudly in our ears. You offer yourself to be there for us, to be strength, for your Holy Spirit to be a guide. And for this we give you thanks. Yours is the glory, and, and we, Lord, struggle to, in our own sense of weakness. But that glory is offered us in your Spirit. 
And on that we are truly grateful and rejoice in that grace. And so, Lord God, we pray that in the temptations we face, we may know that power of your Spirit, that we may earnestly pray this prayer, that the very desire to enter into that temptation may be done away with by the desire to be faithful to you. That the lies we are told in temptations would give way easily to the truth we know in Scripture. That the common sense you've blessed us with will be something that comes to the forefront of our minds. And that the beauty of people around us who are doing the same journey, that the body of Christ will be the gift it is meant to be and will strengthen us along the path. Thank you, Jesus, for this prayer, for all of those things, for the wonder of your grace, the beauty of your love. And as we end this series, we pray together the Lord's Prayer, and we will pray the older version. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Friends, I hope that you have a blessed Sunday. Uh, or whatever day you end up watching or listening to this, I pray that you have enjoyed the series and that it has been something that has led to a greater sense of intimacy. As always, we would love to interact with you. Please pop a comment on the sermon. Drop us an email at the office. Uh, send us a comment on our Facebook page. Do whatever you can, um, in any means you can, in order to get in touch. We would love to be in connection with you. Keep that date penciled in in your diaries um, for the luncheon. And remember that in two weeks' time at our communion service, after the live stream, uh, Reverend Ray Nutley and I will be offering communion here at the church for anyone who wants to come. If you need more details, contact us at the office. And so, friends, the Lord bless and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.